Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 26th of July 2015, entitled Identity Crisis, Part 1. And the Bible readings are taken from Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 to 22, and Luke chapter 22, verses 54 to 62. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. To open your Bibles, first of all, to the Gospel of Luke chapter 22. We're going to begin reading there in verse 54 in just a moment, if you'd like to hold your finger there, and then turn back to Matthew chapter 4. I invite you to stand with us this morning to honor the precious and holy word of God that he's given to us, preserved for us, that we have before us this morning, beginning in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 12. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed from Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by signs the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Going in from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, beginning in verse 54, then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house and Peter followed afar off. When they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. He denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. After a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. Peter said, man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after, another confidently affirmed, saying, of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. The Lord turned and looked upon Peter and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that we have the privilege of having it before us and reading it. Thank you that we can have the confidence of knowing that your spirit that lives within us, Lord, can give us understanding this day. And for that we ask, Lord, 
But Lord, may, it, may we not be hearers only, but doers of the word. Help us, Lord, to have the faith, to have the strength, to have the courage to respond to that which you say to us today. And we'll give you the thanks for it in Christ's name. Amen. I have warned us some already not to, not to expect much this morning, as if maybe you ever did, but uh, to expect even less today, because I would certainly say that uh, physically and mentally I am very tired, but I still love standing and preaching God's Word. As we look this morning, you've heard some of the things that we have been looking at throughout the entirety of this week, and I want to take a few of those things and summarize them and, and expand upon them and, and look at some things today that I hope will be a blessing to you. Now, let me begin by our readings here that we just read from God's Word. We find that our scripture reading in Matthew marks the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry on this earth. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. Afterwards, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and then faced the temptations of Satan himself. The devil then left after his failure and Christ was ministered to by the angels. And this is where we pick up in verse 12 when he comes to Capernaum and begins his public ministry here upon this earth. The reading that we read from the Gospel of Luke is the end of his public ministry here upon this earth. It is when Jesus is there being tried before these that are making a mockery trial of him. We find that as we begin to look here today, I want us to think, and, and, and you know, sometimes it's, it's hard because I'm a little bit frustrated before I start because I know without any shadow of a doubt what that God has preached to me already. And yet I know that there's absolutely no way that I can cover all this this morning and that I'll probably do a pretty bad job of telling you what God told me and that I probably will have only a portion of you back here this evening and there's no way that I can give you all this this morning. Unless you packed your lunch and brought it with you, of course. You probably get pretty fed up with me. You only want to listen to me for so long, that usually only when you have to, amen? Quit smiling, Leon. <laughs> but as we look here today, I really want to think upon the thought that I've simply entitled Identity Crisis. Identity Crisis. Now, what does that mean? Well, I quickly put down just a few definitions of what identity means. One says that it's the condition of being a certain person or thing. Your identity, the condition of being a certain person or thing. A person's conception and expression of their own self-identity and others' individuality or group. The distinguishing character or personality of an individual. In other words, definitions can describe it a lot of ways, but... Your identity is what defines you as a unique individual. Your identity defines you just as the person beside you's identity defines them. Now, it can cover all kinds of areas, the physical, the psychological, the sociological, the spiritual, but it is that which describes you as who you are. You are unique. 
You are a unique creation of God as we clearly sing about earlier. We find that sometimes in life, people can have what is known as an identity crisis. In other words, they actually struggle with knowing who they really are. They have trouble knowing who they are themselves, let alone anybody else knowing who they are. I read you this quote. It says, an identity crisis is a time in life when an individual begins to seriously look for answers about the nature of his or her being and the search for an identity. 20th century developmental psychologist Eric Erickson developed this term, which is used frequently. Now, he used it mostly to apply to the period of transition in the teenage years when kids begin to define what they will do as adults and what their values are. However, it is now thought that an identity crisis may occur at any time in life, especially in periods of great transition. In other words, when things in your life are changing, when things are not going down the same old track that they, that they have been, when there are changes there, oftentimes an identity crisis can come along with that. Now, I ask you a simple question, who are you? Now, how many of you this morning have got one of these things here? Everybody got one? <laughs> okay. Well, most of you will know, and this is part of what we've been uh, looking at uh, uh, this week as we have uh, been at, uh, at, at camp, but uh, if I take that thing and I hold it out there and I do that, who is that? Are you sure? Who is that? <laughs> How do you know that's me? Huh? <laughs> Father Christmas, okay. <laughs> I didn't know it was December. <laughs> well, that's a selfie I just took, okay? <laughs> you know, that's a selfie of me. And, and, of course, that was our theme this week, hashtag selfie. If you don't know what hashtag is, if you do much social media, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or things like that, you know, you post something up there, and then when you get to the end of it, it doesn't have to be at the end, but that's usually where you put it. You put a hashtag, and then you'll put some word like selfie, well, hashtag means that it's a title and it's going to put it into a group all of its own. So if I go in there and I, and I click on that, well, it's going to bring up everything that everybody else has put in there with hashtag selfie. And I'm going to have all those things together. So a lot of times people put tags on there so that it puts it in with all those others that are posting about the same thing or putting photos up of the same thing. And so that's what our themes were this week was hashtag selfie. In other words, taking selfies of ourselves. Now, I have a problem with selfies, and I don't know why, but your pastor always looks drunk in every selfie that he ever takes. And I've even had my daughter, because, you know, it can't be a selfie unless you, you, you're one of the ones that is taking the photo. So Amber's always trying to take selfies of me and her together. The problem is I always look like I've had one drink too many, even when I, I haven't had any drinks. I don't have any drinks, you know. But I always seem to come out looking that way in a, in a selfie. And so people would look at it and they'd say, hmm, you know, what's, what's, what's he been into? But we take a selfie, and that's something that only you can do. 
And selfies have just become a, a part of, of, of society because we all carry these things around. We've got a camera right in our pocket. It's very quick, you know. We're in some special situation and we just blink, we take a picture, we post it up and everybody says, there he is and he's at that place or he's with that person and we know all these things about them. But you knew that was me because of the physical likeness that you see in that photograph. So either that guy's got on a pretty good disguise uh, or it's me. Of course, you had the added benefit of seeing me snap the shot, which makes it hard for it to be anybody else. Well, I want us to take some selfies this morning and this evening. I want us all, whether you've ever done any social media, whether you've ever taken a, a phone and taken a selfie of yourself, I want us to take some selfies today. But it's not the physical selfies that I want us to take. It's spiritual selfies. You see, technically, it is only a selfie if you take it yourself. That's why it's called a selfie. That doesn't take rocket science to figure out. If you take a snapshot of someone else, that's not a selfie. So today, the same is true spiritually. Only you can take a spiritual selfie of yourself. Now, I ask you again, very, very simple, who are you? Are you willing today to genuinely and honestly take a spiritual selfie and take a good look at yourself? You see, what is your identity today? Well, I can take a physical selfie with my camera here, and it's that physical likeness. But may I say, I hope that you've got your spiritual camera with you today. Because this is the only way you're going to take a spiritual selfie. And it's the only one that's going to give you a true likeness of what your spiritual condition is and where you are right now in your spiritual life. Folks, too many people are facing identity crisis and they don't even know it. They simply don't know where they are spiritually. They haven't looked at where they are spiritually. They don't realize where they are spiritually. Remember our definition stated that an identity crisis can appear at any time in life, but especially in periods of great transition when we're going through change. And we're going to look at a number of scriptures today, but as we do so, I want us to look at some periods of great transition in this life of Peter, which is some of the things that we looked at this past week, and how that, that affects our identity May I say, first of all, identities are certain. People are identified by many things in many different ways. You know, people are identified, first of all, by what they call themselves. They're identified by names. Now, there's some names here this morning that there might be more than one of. But the truth is that if I called out a name, I could call out most of your names here this morning, and there would only be one person in this room that that would identify. People are identified by what they call themselves. But people are also identified from where they come from. You know, for example, today part of your identity would be that you are not only an individual that has a first name. We've got Michaela sitting there. But uh, Michaela 
is also sitting there beside of her, her mom. And so she carries part of those family traits. Part of her identity comes from her family in what she looks like, the surname that goes on the end. And so many times people are identified by their names, by where they come from, and not just in families, but in general. You know, part of my identity today, like it or not, is that I'm an American because that's where I come from. Most of you here today, you are British because that's where you come from. But that is most definitely part of who you are, is part of your identity. What they call themselves, where they come from, how they look. You know, we look around today. Part of those physical traits that come from family members sometimes just absolutely cannot be denied. Oh, look at him. She's got her daddy's nose. <laughs> She's got her mom's ears. You know, sometimes those things, they just, they just stand out. Of course, also included in that, the way people look would be the race. Some of you have light skin. Some of you have dark skin. Some of you have in-between skin. That's part of your identity. It's part of who you are. It's part of the way that you look. And of course, I wish I'd had time, but I really got so, so pushed for time in trying to gather these thoughts together for you after this week. But, you know, style has so much to do with it. You can look at people, and so many times you know things about them just because of the way that they dress. I mean, I could have come in here this morning. I did think about it. I could have put on some real flowery smock and a big gold chain around my neck and, you know, hair down on my shoulders, and I could come in and you say, whoa, this guy's a hippie from the 60s, you know, because of the style that I was dressed. There's certain ladies on the street that you know what they are when you see them because of the way, the immodest way that they're dressed out there in the public. Styles. Some people want to look a certain trend. It speaks volumes about them many times just by the kind of clothes that they wear or the, the way that they wear their hair, all these different things. They are part of your identity, how you speak. You know, what language do you speak? I don't speak with the same accent as anybody else here today. That's part of my identity. But guess what? There's a bunch of British people out there that speak the English language, but... There's also a lot of different accents because of where you came from originally, because of who you are. Education. People talk differently because sometimes you hear somebody speaking, you know, you know, you know they're working class or you know that they're poor class. You know that they've got little education or you know they're very posh in the way that they speak. They're well educated. It's part of people's identity. What they do? What kind of work do they do? What kind of parties do they go to? What kind of places do they frequent? They all speak about who that person is. How you fit into a system? Your national insurance number, your account numbers, your employee numbers, God forbid, your prisoner number. People identified by a certain, certain number because of that's who they are. There are many, many things about us that identify us as who we are in this world. Some of them officially, some of them very much unofficial, but everyone, an identifying mark, everyone in some way, part of our identity of who we are. We even face much problem today of what's known as identity theft. 
You've all heard of identity theft, and that's why we've got all these things in place, you know, that, well, you've got to go through this system and this system and this system so that nobody else can steal your identity. You see, identity theft is when someone else is pretending to be you. Someone is pretending to be someone else, usually for some kind of personal gain or maybe to escape trouble. <laughs> They're running from the police and they try to pretend to be somebody else or they steal somebody else's identity to, to get across the border. People, not what they appear to be. People pretending. I ask you again this morning with these things in mind, who are you? You see, not only are identities certain, they are certain. They are your identifying marks. They make you who they are. Identities are chosen Parents choose name to identify their children. Sometimes children are happy with those names that have been chosen, and sometimes they wish their parents had waited a while. <laughs> they wish they had chosen something different. Oftentimes, especially if people don't like what their parents chose for them, they'll choose their own name. They might officially have it changed, or it might just be a, a nickname that they start to go by, but that's how they, they identify themselves uh, in a certain way. Some people have more than one name. You know, from the, from the time I was just a little, well, before I was a wee lad, when I was a crying baby, and my family chose a name for me. And they called me Larry Timothy Curtis. The first two were my given names, and the last name, the family name that identified we with, with my family. But my dad was also a Larry Curtis. And so from the time that I was just a little thing, I was Timmy. And I was Timmy, and I was Timmy, and today you go back, and I'm still Uncle Timmy to a whole lot of my nephews and nieces and, and all of these things because that's all they've ever known me by. But as soon as I started school the first day, I went by Larry because I thought that made me sound bigger and older like my dad. Honestly, you know, it wasn't that I hated the name Timmy or anything. I just thought my dad's called Larry, and that, that made me feel like I was, you know, more grown up to be called Larry, and I always... From their own, I never went by anything else. I answer to whichever, but I'm saying that my parents chose names, but I chose a different one to go by day by day than the one that they chose to call me day by day. People choose titles to identify who they are. You know, we use some of the simple titles like Mr. and Miss and Mrs., and it identifies us, but sometimes people choose to have other titles, and they do with certain things, and they can put all these letters after the name because it's certain qualifications that they have that tells you who they are. People choose names and titles for others, what they will call others. Sometimes the titles you give other people, they don't particularly like, <laughs> but you call them that for certain names. Sometimes nicknames come by, by different things. Companies designate titles. You're such and such manager or such and such supervisor. They identify you for who you are, and the list can go on and on. What I want you to realize is that identities don't just fall upon us. Somebody chooses them. They are chosen. Now, if you look into Philippians chapter 2 this morning, I want to show you here about the choosing of an identity there. Philippians chapter 2, notice what he says beginning in verse 5. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who, being in the form of God, he literally was God in every way, in every action. 
He was 100% God, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Of course, there was nothing to take away from his being God because he was in every way God. But even though he was in every way God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him, he was in the form of God, but now he takes upon him the form of a servant. He was in every way the form of God, the supreme being of the universe. But he chose to take upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's so many things we could say here this morning, but what I want you to realize and understand is this. Jesus Christ, he chose to be called God because he was God 100% form in every way. But he chose to become in the form of a man to become a man, to be identified as a man in every way, even to the point where as God, his life was eternal. But as a man, he gave his life on the cross to die for you and I. He humbled himself to that lowest position, and then God the Father chose that his name would be above every name and that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is God. All of those things identify him. Christ chose to come as a man, even though he was God. Well, if you look back in part of our reading there this morning here in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, we find that Peter also. Peter, first of all, he was chosen by Christ, but then Peter had to make some choices himself. You see, Jesus chose him in our reading here. Jesus actually chose four of his first apostles that would walk with him. Jesus walking by, verse 18, the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. That was part of their identity. Peter was a fisherman. That's what he did for a living. That's how he spent most of the hours of his day. Out there, his nets was what he used. That's what he survived by. That's what he ate by. That's what he paid his bills by. He lived by his occupation as a fisherman. Peter was a fisherman, but Jesus chose him out. And notice what, and he saith unto him, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. A real identity change was about to take place here. But what I want you to realize is this. First of all, Jesus chose Peter, a man that was identified as a fisher of fishes. But Jesus chose him. And Jesus said, Peter, follow me. Your identity is no longer going to be a fisher's of fishes you're going to be a fisher of men. Your identity is totally going to change. Now, Jesus chose 
to make that change in Peter. But Peter was the one, uh, it says in verse 20, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. Now, just notice this. Going on from thence, he saw two others, James and, and, and John, and they were in a ship, and they were with, with their father Zebedee. They were mending their nets. And he called to these other two, it says, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. You see, Jesus chose all four of these men, but they had to choose to follow Jesus. Jesus chose them to call them out from amongst the others. They had to choose to follow. They literally, listen, folks, we got to understand this. We got to grasp this. They left everything behind. They left everything. They left their jobs. They left their home. They left everything that made their life what it was. They left it laying right there. They left the ship, and yes, he even left his family, his father, to follow Jesus. There were no stipulations. Jesus said, come follow me. I'm going to give you a new identity. So they chose to follow Jesus, to go along with Jesus. You see, I want you to realize this morning, and man, that clock's already at the end. I want you to realize this, and I'll have to leave you with this. And man, if you want to be back this evening, you'll be here. If not, then praise God, I'll give it to whoever's here. But Ephesians chapter 3, I mean Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, I want you to see what the Word of God says to us here. In Ephesians chapter 1, begins in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Notice the next words. According as he, God, hath chosen us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I'm going to say to you unequivocally this morning that just as Jesus spoke his first words that are recorded for us to any individual when he began his public ministry, he said, come and follow me and I will give you a new identity. I will make you not just fishers of fishers, but fishers of men. Come follow me. They chose to follow. Jesus chose them. But the Bible tells us God has chosen each and every one of you. You have been chosen by God to what? To be holy. <laughs> Boy, look at me. How can, how can I be chosen to be holy, to be blameless, to absolutely not be the vile sinner that I've always been? God chose me before the foundation of the world because he chose me in Jesus Christ. He chose you in Jesus Christ. He chose you to be holy, to be blameless before him. You know, the trouble is, is that when God chooses us, though that choice was made long before creation even came, and you were chosen in love, he says, or without blame before him in love, how can we describe it? I wish. You don't know how much I wish. Somebody asked me a question this past week. And, and, and I was just totally, totally lost at an answer because, sadly, I understood the answer too well. Because he asked me because he said he had some young people in his church 
that he felt like the love of the world was beginning to draw them away. They were starting to care more about some of those physical things and those things out there. And he said, he said, I just want to make them love God more. I want to make them love Jesus more. How can I make them love him more? And the truth is, nobody can make you love anybody. Our actions are a response. We find that God chose you. He chose you to be holy, to be blameless before him for all of eternity. He chose you for that. But the question is, just as he, just as he asked Peter and Andrew, just as he asked James and John, when he said, follow me, are you willing to just forget everything else and follow him where he wants you to go? You see, that's, that's, that's what he's asked. Just follow me. Follow me. You've got to trust me totally, completely. There's nothing else that can tie you down and hold you down. To be identified as a Christian, we sang about it in a couple of those songs this morning. There is only one way to truly be identified as a Christian today, and that's for Christ to live within you. Nobody, nobody without Christ within, nobody can be identified with him. People identify us by what they see. I'm not trying to be mean this morning. I'm, I'm just asking you, honestly, look. People get in a lot of trouble just because they don't stop to pause to look. Will you honestly take a spiritual selfie? Will you look at your life spiritually? I can't do that for you. No matter how much I love you, no matter how much I care, no matter how much that I fear for you, you've got to take your spiritual selfie. I want you to understand, your identity is you. <laughs> you are who you are, unique. But identities are chosen. And we're going to look at some other things tonight, but... I can't go any further this morning. I can tell you without any shadow of a doubt, God chose you. We'll see that he chose you to be his child. He chose you to be his, to be part of his family, to be accepted in the beloved. He wants to spend eternity with you. He wants the best for you. He wants the best for you in every area of your life. But if you're going to hang on to those things and not follow him, you see, he's chosen you but you must live with your own choices. So I'm earnestly asking you this morning, you know, are you trying to turn the camera off, put it away, pretend it's not there? When, when, when was the last time that you honestly took your spiritual camera and took a look at your life, where you are? You know, I, I look at you this morning, and as far as I know, you all look good. What about on the inside? I can't see there. But God can. Where are you, Spirit? Does Christ live in you? If he doesn't, if you don't know that with absolute certainty, do it today. I can't save you, but God's here. He chose you. He wants you to be his child. He's asking you this morning, come on. Follow me. Forget everything else. Leave everything else behind. Trust me. Follow me. If you haven't done that, 
I plead with you, don't take another step in your life unless it's the one to follow Jesus Christ. Let that be your next step. Christian, what about you? We'll see this evening that Peter came into an identity crisis. <laughs> Even though he had chosen to follow the Lord, there came a time in his life when his identity became very confusing. <laughs> but you know, God was still there. <laughs> And all of his grace and all of his love, and he's still there for you this morning, Christian. He chose you because he loves you so much. He chose you to give you everything that you need. He chose you because he loves you. But how much do you love him? Are there things in the world that you love more? That's a sad state to get to, and it's a dangerous state to get to today. Where is he? We're going to sing for our closing hymn, if Maurice will come to the piano. We're just going to sing the first three verses. And again, there's a lot of songs we could sing. But this is the one the Lord laid on my heart this morning. And I pray that you'll sing it as a prayer. You see, I'm pretty lousy at expressing love. Just ask my wife. You know, I don't, I don't say it as much as I should. I don't show it as much as I should. The same goes for each and every one of you here. I, I, I can't tell you how much that I love you, how much that I care for you. But God has really spoken to my heart this week. Sometimes we, we're just not willing to take the spiritual selfies that we need to take. We're walking on such dangerous areas that he doesn't want us to have to be today. The God that loved you so much that he chose you before the foundation of the world. He's asking you today, just, just leave everything else. Leave those nets. Leave those ships. Leave the family, the people. It's not that you're going to forsake them, but you've got to put me first. You've got to be willing to put me first. And that's what he's asking of you this morning. Lost person, you need to come and follow Jesus. Christian, you need to come and follow Jesus. I can promise you we'll see by the time we get to the end this evening, hopefully, that it starts with following Jesus and it ends with following Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, I know that time has escaped us. There's so much more I wanted to share this morning because, Lord, it's, it's, it's your word. It's touched my life and my heart so much. And, Lord, I, I just want these here, in spite of me and despite my inabilities, I want them to see these beautiful truths from your word. It's not me that needs to take a, a photo of their life today. They need a spiritual selfie with your word. They need to look at their own life, where they are. And Lord, I pray today that you would help each one to do this, to be honest, to do that which they need to do today. It's not what anybody else needs to do. It's not where anybody else is at. It's where am I? You chose me individually, uniquely. Who am I today? What does my identity, what does my life say about me? What does it speak of me today? What does it say to the world around me about who I am? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.